Here's to you, pageant girl. You're a game changer. You're the underdog. You are the trendsetter. You're the one who speaks up for what you believe in. You build others up when so many others have beat them down. You don't back down in the face of adversity. And you have no respect for the haters. Some people love you. Others hate you. There are those who build you up and those who tear you down. Because the one thing they'll never do is define who you are. Because as a group, you are united as one. You hold each other up with strength. And while some may just see you as beauty queens, we see you as leaders. When the lights go out and the crown comes off, you'll always be proud to say, I am a pageant girl. Hey, it's Miss Hawaii USA 2016, Chelsea Harding. And you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Kialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today was born and raised in Hawaii. She played Division I college volleyball at California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo, where she majored in anthropology and geography. After spending a year traveling around the world, she returned back to Hawaii, where she entered and won her first-ever pageant, capturing the title of Miss Hawaii USA 2016. She went on to place first runner-up at the 2016 Miss USA competition in Las Vegas, and is now currently traveling between Hawaii, California, and Oregon as a full-time model and host. Excited to have the one and only Chelsea Harden on the show today. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Hi, Tim. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, hey, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. I want to talk about the infamous question um, that you dealt (laughs) with during the Miss USA competition. I think it's what most people know you for because it got so much press. Uh, You've spoken to a bunch of different media outlets about it. But I guess I'd love to know what was going through your head when you first started, because I was actually in the crowd that night. I was I you know, I was part of the booze. Um, you know, that, that flooded the stage. What, what were you thinking as soon as it came out of uh, their mouths? So the first thing I was thinking was, this is not happening. <laughs> I'm like, is this happening? And then I'm like, okay, think positive. I have, I have only have a few seconds to think of the answer. So for my state pageant for Miss Hawaii USA, I had a similar question um, about our governor and the refugees. It was a hot topic and the, and the crowd booed at the Miss Hawaii USA. So first in my head, I'm like, okay, I've been here before. It's not the first time I've been sort of crazy out there question. And I was like, this is not happening again. But what what was nice was that I, you know, when you're on stage, you can see the audience. So I just looked at my family and I said, all right, I have to answer this. (laughs) And I prepared for every single question besides that. You know, is America ready for a woman president? How do you feel about Donald Trump's stance and blah, blah, blah. Every question besides 
who are you going to vote for? Because, you know, people don't really think to just throw it out there and have you say that on a, <laughs> on a national sure. stage. But um, sometimes I, I go to bed thinking of the different ways that I could have said that. Sometimes I, I kill myself over it. Um, but I think what came out was, was natural and was authentic. So I'm okay with it. And, and some people say that, yes, it, you know, I didn't talk about myself and there's certain ways I should have gone about that question, but I think it was a, a blessing in disguise. Sure. So if you go yeah, to bed dreaming about, question. you know, how you could have answered it, is there another way that you wish you would have? Yeah. So if people ask me this often, I think I would have said something along the lines of as a title holder, as a public figure, I would encourage my peers, you know, to get out there and vote because it's, it's our generation that can finally make a change. And so I would say same thing. It doesn't matter who it is, but I do encourage my peers, um, my fellow title holders to go out there and vote so that um, our voices can be heard. How do you think your life would be? How do you think your life would be different if you actually said one or the other? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I didn't. I can just see that being, you know, the um, media headline. Like, oh, Miss Hawaii says this, Miss Hawaii USA says that. I think my life would have been slightly different. People, (laughs) you know, would have cut me some slack, hopefully. But that would have just, I think, set myself up for a different, yeah, past, post-life, post-question life. So here's my only other question about the question, and that is I, I did have a chance. I obviously saw you at the after party that night. I, I ended up talking to a lot of the judges. Do you feel that the fact that you didn't say, you know, Trump or Hillary affected the fact that you finished runner-up and not not won? No, not at all. I don't think that affected. I mean, I feel even if I was for Hillary or Trump and I had, you know, the best response for Hillary or pro-Trump, I would have lost uh, half the judges, you know. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think I don't think that's the reason for first runner-up. Deshana Barber, Miss USA, was tough, tough comp- competitor, yeah. and she had everything going for her, and she nailed those questions. Looking back at it, I'm like, wow, that's that's how you're supposed to answer it. So <laughs> yeah, she did. She did nail the I questions. Mean, I will give her. I will give her that. Yeah. Well, hey, she look, is really good. Look, one of the other big highlights from Miss USA that really caught a lot of attention from you uh, was that stunning evening gown that you wore. I mean, I, I think it was as unique as, as you know since the. The style of the dresses that the girls now wear, I see that one all the time, and it's only since you wore it. I think in this year's Miss USA, I think Maine had one very similar to it. Um, and it's funny because, you know, if my wife is watching a pageant with me, she'll be like, oh, she's wearing Hawaii's dress. How did you, how did you go about selecting that dress? So originally I had a totally different dress that I imagined myself walking in. Um, but this dress was kind of a creation of all sorts of ideas and people and thoughts. Albert and Amin, who are big in um, pageantry for Miss USA up in Texas, um, they sponsor the Miss Hawaii USA girls. And I went up there and we tried on a bunch of um, outfits and designs. And I mean, has a seamstress who really can make those beautiful designs. And he sketched one out and I said, wow, this is amazing. It might be a little scandalous, but I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> so we had to be very careful on, on placing the applique and where the flowers were. Um, and when it was going through, because pre-show, um, the they have to okay all the dresses. And at first it was, um, I think it was David backstage. He's like, 
why did you have to place a fire right there? And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'm just trying to come on. And so um, I think I didn't realize that it was so different. I just personally loved it. My mom loved it. You know, my family loved it. Uh, Albert and Amin and the stylist, the seamstress loved it. And so it was all just kind of a big work of love that just went into it. It wasn't like, I want this, I want that. It just, it just happened. And then I had no idea that it was going to be so... It looks beautiful on stage with the Swarovski crystals and the train. Yeah, it's a shame they don't give out the, the evening gown award at, at nationals because I'll tell you what, you would have easily walked away with it that night. Wow, thank you. I see I see a lot of other girls that I say, oh, I wish I had dressed like that. And then I'll go back and look at pictures. I'm like, no, I'm happy with, with <laughs> this choice. And I almost changed my mind, too, right before. Um, oh, really? But I'm really glad I stuck. Yeah, I had another dress I tried on, and I was like, I feel amazing in this. But, yeah, so this a lot of hands, a lot of love, a lot of time went to it. And so I felt like it was a good thing to, to wear on stage. Well, that's very cool. Now, you were not a uh, what we'll call a legacy pageant girl. You had not been competing all your life in pageants. You were an elite college volleyball player, um, which is certainly not the typical girl that we see compete um, pageants. So, and it's not to say that it doesn't happen, but what drew you to compete um, in Miss Hawaii USA? So I was at home in Hawaii. Somebody suggested it to me. She said, have you ever thought of running for Miss Hawaii USA? I just kind of laughed. I said, no, not really. You know, I only own a few pair of heels. I'm not too much into hair and makeup. And she probably spent the next three months trying to convince me and I went over to her house because her daughter was a former um, Miss Hawaii team, you must say. And she finally convinced me. And I said, you know what? Um, my sports college chapter has closed and I was ready for um, a new challenge. And so I said, I talked to my, my family about it. And I said, what do you think? And they said, that's sure. Said, Whatever you want to do, we got your back. And so next thing you know, I was in it hardcore. I was training, I was dieting, weight training, you know, the, everything that goes with it. I was treating the pageant as like the final game, you know, the championship in, um, in volleyball. So it was a lot of fun. And I learned that a sports and pageantry, they have a lot more in common than people think. Yeah, well, I'm interested to know. So, you know, after competing in volleyball for so many years and then, you know, just diving in headfirst into pageants and really training hard, what were some of the things that you found challenging about preparing for Miss USA? I, since I didn't really know about pageantry, I kind of just was going into it blind. But I did learn that it takes a lot of hard work to be successful. You can't really just give your half effort into it. For some people, yes, they have to work full-time, school full-time. Uh, for me, I was lucky enough to be able to put most of my energy into it. And I learned that it's just as hard to prepare for a pageantry as it is for a game. You know, it takes time and dedication. It takes sacrifices. It takes a lot of practice and repetition. You know, when it comes to your walking on stage or when it comes to interviewing or on-stage questions. And the biggest thing, um, you know, and besides the self-confidence and the self-love that comes with it, the biggest thing that I was surprised to learn that it takes a, a team. It takes a lot of team effort. Um, I had a great support system that helped me back in Hawaii. And I definitely could not have done it without my team of people. I was really, really lucky. So it felt like I wasn't just 
competing and representing Hawaii for myself. I was representing, you know, my family name, everybody who spent countless hours and effort helping me. So just like playing in a volleyball game, you're doing it for your teammates, doing it for your school, um, and your teammates who end up being, you know, your family. Well, and you certainly, you know, you went to Miss USA, you did really well, you got a ton of publicity afterwards. Um, what kind of opportunities started to present themselves, you know, following the pageant for you? So I had some some interesting opportunities. Um, I spent some time in Philadelphia with a with a good friend who works out there, and one of the 76ers. Uh, I was at the 76ers basketball game, and they offered me a job to be the in-house sideline yeah. reporter. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's always something I wanted to do. So that was kind of like right off the back. I was very surprised. But I told him, you know, thank you for the opportunity, but I don't think I was ready. I love basketball, but let's be real. I don't, I couldn't tell you like <laughs> all of the, oh, there's so much to it. Um, and so I had kind of just opportunities like that pop up, pop up. And I personally didn't feel like I was ready. Like if had I got prior experience in the basketball or um, sideline reporting realm, I would have said, yes, let's do it. I'll move to Philadelphia. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that, people kept saying, you know, you should you should move away, move off the island to, you know, get bigger exposure and more opportunities. So in the end, that's what I ended up doing. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you came from the volleyball world. You're 5'11", which is an ideal height in the modeling world. And, and of course, that world came calling. And I know that you have modeled, and I've seen uh, many of your shots for many major brands uh, since that time. Was that something that you had ever envisioned yourself doing? What's funny is five years ago, if you if you ask anybody where Chelsea Harden will be, they would not say in the modeling world. <laughs> I was a tomboy. I was always just had my hair back, really didn't care about makeup. Um, so to see myself really, you know, transform after pageantry into, I like to say a woman, because I know how to do my own hair and makeup. <laughs> it's, I did not picture myself in this industry, but I, I love it. I am so, so blessed to be um, living this lifestyle and to call myself a full-time model. So at what point, and, and I'm guessing it probably had something to do with pageants, did you turn from, you know, tomboy into more of a, you know, a glamorous model type woman? So I like to say that pageantry hasn't really changed me, but it's helped me understand who I am. So I still very much like to dress, um, what do I say, athleisure, you know, athletic leisure style, but more, I guess, more put together. So there wasn't really a turning point. Actually, it might have been all the all the events as Miss Hawaii USA. You know, you're always out there every weekend doing events and it requires hair and makeup fashion um, crown and so I think I just slowly got used to it and I found my routine and I found my you know quick up to look presentable type of look and I just started to incorporate that into my everyday life and now I I have found a happy balance between glamorous and still being a tomboy. It's a big part of your life, from what I can tell. I mean, you're, you're doing it a lot. I've seen everything from an Adidas ad to, uh, I, I think it was like a Marriott ad where it was more in like a rustic cabin. I mean, you've got such a diverse look that you can do so many different styles, and you're really good at it, by the way, to be honest with you. Um, is there, Thank you. Is there one or the other that you really enjoy doing more than another? I honestly prefer um, lifestyle shooting, like at hotels and resorts, because it's so much fun. They just they they tell you you know here's our resort go play have fun so it's not 
so serious. You know, you don't have to look angry in the camera because I'm not really good at that. You're just smiling <laughs> with the eyes. <laughs> so at, at lifestyle shoots, you can just smile, have fun. We're in the water. We're you know, hanging out at these beautiful resorts. And so I really love doing those lifestyle shoots. Well, you know, modeling is something that I, I think just about every pageant girl wants to do at some point. I mean, they love to, to think that, you know, if I get out of this, I can go into a full-time modeling career. Are you doing this full-time? I mean, is this your, you know, your, I guess your main source of income at this point in your life? Yes, it is. I'm very, very blessed to um, call it, uh, to say that I'm a full-time model. I mean, I have my, my hands in a few business things going on because, um, you know, having different multiple revenues of income is the way to go but in terms of my full-time job it's yes it's modeling um i'm starting to dive into the acting world a little bit it's, it's a lot harder than one thing <laughs> acting and and you're acting in la in la yes in la um in orange county so there's just so many opportunities up here so many classes that i've been taking you know hosting classes acting classes commercial classes and so there's a lot going on up here. Well, and, you, and you're, you're a host as well. That's something you and I have in common. So tell me about some of the hosting gigs that you've been doing. Yeah, so I've just been hosting mainly in Hawaii. So I had my own small, it's a football show. It's like a little segment football show for Hawaii high school football. Mm -hmm. Then I did a lifestyle show for Hawaii's finest TV. And then I've done a handful of shows, just a couple of seasons of just smaller brands in Hawaii. I was just trying to not just one genre, but sports and lifestyle. And so I've also done some color commentary for um, UH Women's Volleyball. So I'm just kind of feeling out where I like. I'm just taking as many opportunities that presents itself. And um, in terms of the hosting up here, it's there's so there's so many people up here <laughs> trying to do you know the same thing. They sure are. So I thought. So I've had a few opportunities, but right now my my biggest um, success has still been in Hawaii. So, you know, speaking of Hawaii, you were born and raised there. Um, you, you lived there for a long time. And, you know, I think you left for the very first time to, to I guess, play volleyball at uh, Cal State Polytechnic. Um, what was it like to, to get away from there? And now that you're splitting time between there and uh, California and Oregon, um, has that been difficult? So my dad, my father, he's a pilot for Hawaiian Airlines. So we've been really blessed to be able to travel a lot. Every summer he would take us, you know, to different states, um, out of country. And so I think traveling was a part of my lifestyle growing up. And so when I left Hawaii at 17 for the first time to go to college in California, yes, it was a shocker, more, more the fact that I couldn't, you know, go home on the weekends. I'm not going back home until Christmas break. But overall, I think that I, I personally can adapt really well. So I was able to adapt to the, you know, the California lifestyle, which is awesome. You have the beach, you have sun, you have the mountains. People are pretty laid back for the most part. So that was nice being not too far from home. But right now, the lifestyle, I am, I'm so lucky because I have a place here in Orange County and I always have a place in Hawaii. And so I feel like I'm always on the go. I mean, wherever the jobs are, I'll go. If family's there, I'll go. So it's, it's been a really fun, fun lifestyle, just 
you know, being on the road yet knowing that I have homes in multiple places. Yeah, and, and you're modeling, you're doing that full-time, you've got a great career. Um, but, you know, I think what's interesting is you got a degree in anthropology and geography. And so, you know, now mm-hmm. you're doing modeling right now. So what, I guess, when you got those degrees, what is it that you wanted to do as a career? That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> I've always wanted to do humanitarian work. When I um, graduated college, I spent some time in South Africa with a nonprofit there. And I didn't know exactly where in the realm of humanitarian work. I just love helping people and giving back, especially to those with you know the opportunities we don't have in the U.S. or just in this any first world country. And so I thought that was the path I was going to take. I was going to be a professional volunteer <laughs> for the rest of my life. But in terms of what job I would have done, it would probably be... Um, some kind of humanitarian work, whether it's helping, you know, feed the more needy or help home, you know, build homes and have sanitary water, something along those lines. So is that something you still want to do? I mean, obviously modeling full-time has an expiration date to it at some point. Is it something you want to venture into when you're done? Oh, yes, absolutely. I haven't lost sight of that. I've been um, in the works with some, some other businesses that allow me to get in that direction of humanitarian work. So right now, this modeling has been keeping me afloat, and so we'll see what happens next. Tell me where the desire for the humanitarian work comes from, because I think you know a lot of people would look at you and say, oh, she lives the glamorous lifestyle, she's a model, this and that, but you know, you've got this big heart and you've got this want to help people. Did that occur from something that happened in your life or a, an experience you went through? I think it was just my upbringing um, and how my mother raised us. You know, every Christmas we would buy goats and chickens for, um, I forget what it's called, but it was this nonprofit where you can buy goats and chickens and give it to families where they can raise the goats and raise the chickens and help feed themselves. And every year we would do that. And every year we would give a present of ours um, to those that didn't get as many presents. And I think the way we were raised in Hawaii, always volunteering to help, always feeding the homeless. I saw it on a smaller scale growing up. And then and then when I'm older, realizing that, you know, there's so many more people out there that need our help. I think just seeing that, it, I just always felt like I needed to make a little impact, even if, if it was just small, small impact on, you know, others, whether it's domestically or internationally. And there's still so much that I would love to do if it was not all volunteer-based. So is it something where you would love to work for another organization that's kind of already established or something where maybe you'd want to start your own organization? I've, I've thought about it, um, and we tried in Hawaii, but it's, it's definitely proven to be very, very hard. Um, but that would be ideal to work for another organization that's established, you know, that your home base is in the U.S., but you're constantly, you know, traveling and helping others in other countries. I don't know a lot about anthropology, to be quite honest with you, but, you know, <laughs> when, when I think of, you know, humanitarian work and volunteer work, I didn't know that anthropology kind of falls in line with that. What did exactly did you study in college, you know, to be able to do, you know, quote-unquote humanitarian work? So, yes, anthropology is the study of evolution. So it's mainly what I enjoyed about it is learning about cultures, learning about people, and I I focus on cross-cultural international studies. And so how in the past and how currently, 
how cultures, you know, work together, whether they like it or not, or not, to make this world go round, and to just have, you know, each how each culture thrives in itself. And so it was really interesting. I didn't necessarily want to be an anthropologist or or a teacher or a geographist, geographer or a geologist, but I just loved learning about cultures and people and how, you know, our ancestors came to be, how the Hawaiian culture came to be, how every single culture is so unique because of the different ways that they have evolved. And so I think for me, it was just something that I enjoyed learning and I loved going to class and I, you know, I enjoyed, I loved college. You were talking about the Hawaiian culture, you know, everybody sees Hawaii as like this great vacation destination spot. It's beautiful and this and that, but Hawaii's got a great culture. Can you kind of explain as somebody who is from there, what is the culture like in Hawaii? Yes. The culture in Hawaii is very, everyone is just so loving. They say, you know, everyone has the aloha spirit. Cause <laughs> if, you go to your neighbor's house. The first thing they say is, come in. Are you hungry? You know, they'll feed you. We have a lot of get-togethers where it's based around um, the traditional Hawaiian food and just getting together to share stories. But people of the Hawaiian culture are very, they're very giving. They're very respectful and they have a lot of love. Um, there's some There's some people that might be a little more tough, but it's just because they're very... I'm prideful of the Hawaiian culture. And, you know, it's hard when you see the Hawaiian culture and you see so many tourists coming in and maybe that might deter the Hawaiian culture from prevailing. Overall, people are just very loving and very they're very giving. So if I travel to Hawaii, I don't want to follow the same tourist route that everybody else goes. Where should I go? Hmm. I always tell people, so Hawaii has a whole bunch of different islands and every island Every island is different. Oahu, where I grew up, is where Waikiki is, and Honolulu, where is the ca- they're the capital, and that is very much like a mini Vegas in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like that's where the nightclubs are, that's where all the tourists are. It's a very fun night scene, and then Kauai, Kauai is more outdoorsy. There's great hiking, great beaches. There's waterfalls, helicopter tours, and the big island, another island is totally different in itself. Everything is isolated. You have these um, resorts that are 30 minutes away, great sunsets, but it's a little more sleepy, maybe a little more for the retired, um, but also like beautiful volcanoes. And so um, I would say just, I would, I always tell people to try to venture out to different islands and kind of feel, feel for it and get a feel for it yourself. Sure. Well, hey, I want to talk about volleyball because that's something you and I have in common as well. Um, You were really good coming out of high school. You played at one of the better teams in the entire country, Cal Poly. I read that you actually thought about playing professionally. Is that something that's still on the table for you? I did. So I I wanted to play professionally. Uh, Very common in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot. People might not know that, but there's a lot of um, like Division One and Division Two girls who continue to play in Europe. But senior night, this was in my to the crown video. Senior night ended up tearing my Achilles Ooh. playing volleyball. Yeah, so knowing that that recovery was going to take at least a year, that's when I kind of decided, okay, I think my body is telling me something. You know, all this wear and tear. I think it's time to 
you know, hang up my shoes and try to focus on something else. Well, and I read uh, I read an article yesterday about your uh, your brother Brandon. You know, he played in the NFL for the Bears and the Jets, and that uh, he is really one of your biggest role models. Tell me why. Oh my gosh, my brother has set the bar high ever since we were little. Get going to a great private school in Hawaii, getting a scholarship to play football, and making it to the NFL, and then starting his own business. And so he has really shown you know what it's like to just go balls to the wall and just give everything you got and just never giving up and to see him living that by example i'm like okay we share the same dna i can do this <laughs> and so i'm like i can so i went to his rival high school which was pretty awesome and then i ended up getting a scholarship to play volleyball and um i think this miss usa thing was i can say like equivalent to you know, playing in the the NFL. Oh, yeah. um, and so to see him do that and to see how family is so proud, it really gave me a lot of hope and you know, a good good path to follow. I'm going to guess that you two are super competitive with each other, yes? Yes and no. <laughs> I just tell myself, thankfully, I'm not a boy because if I had to follow in his footsteps in terms of football and whatnot, that'd be a different story. But he is so supportive it's amazing he's he's one of those people that i call when you know i can't i can't go on he always motivates me and he always reminds me you know he reminds me of the bigger picture in life well that's cool that you look up to him as uh, your role model and um, I, I gotta tell you i'm at a lot of pageants every year and you are a role model to so many young girls whether or not you won the crown i don't think really matters because so many girls tell me you know i really loved hawaii she was so great and so, you know, if we could, I, I kind of just want to dive into a couple of things. Number one, you're somebody who came from an athletic background. And I think a lot of girls who are athletes think, you know, I'm either too muscular or, you know, I probably wouldn't fit in that world that well. Talk about that transition and, you know, maybe some advice to, you know, girls who are participating in sports right now that are thinking about doing pageants. That's exactly how these girls are feeling is exactly how I felt because I, as 5'11", I naturally have a a bigger frame. I'm naturally more muscular. And so once I realized that, hey, this is my body, I am not going to change it. I am not going to go on an an unhealthy diet just so that I can, you know, look the part. I said, this is my body. This is what America is going to get. And if they don't like it, they don't. And if they like it, great. So I tried to highlight, you know, the features of my body. So I have volleyball legs so I really try to tone and define my volleyball legs without you know making them too skinny too muscular I really try to just tone it and my shoulders um my shoulders they, they ain't going anywhere they're here so I said <laughs> I'm going to make them make them look their best same thing not too muscular but um just finding that balance and just accepting yourself that this is my body this is who I am and America just has to deal with it well, and I think it's really interesting. I, I, I'm pretty sure girls would be shocked to hear that maybe you had some insecurities going in. Oh, always. Oh, totally. Walking on stage was probably the scariest thing for me. In a bikini and in heels. I mean, I can't, if for many people, it's definitely very intimidating. But once I was able to get past those insecurities of mine, because no matter what I did, it's this is my body and this is what you know I was blessed to have I just had I just had to accept it and I had to say I'm going instead of hiding my features I'm going to show them off and then I think that's what finally 
pushed me to the point of enough confidence to get out there and, you know, smile big. Sure. Well, for somebody who is so competitive and you've obviously become very successful, you know, the one thing that I always like to talk to everybody that comes on this podcast about is when you are done. Okay. So Miss USA is over, you finish runner up and that's it. You know, I'm done. Did you have trouble making the transition from there into, I guess, the next chapter of your life? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was not easy. I didn't know what to expect. And I think a part of me expected. And then once I realized, you know, like, hey, I have to, I'm the one that has to make things happen. Because, you know, we all still want to live in the moment. I wanted to just, you know, never not be Miss Hawaii USA. But I just had to accept that all good things come to an end that, and that I am the one that I have to put myself in positions for opportunities. And it wasn't hard. I personally felt like in Hawaii, it was a little more limited. And I wanted to pursue things that were beyond living at home. So that's when I finally made the decision to pack up my things and move to Los Angeles. But it was not easy, that's for sure. Yeah, just making the transition to Los Angeles? Just everything on top of, you know, not being in the spotlight anymore, having to get all just thrown back in the real world after having all these things happen to you, having to adjust with your new, you know, reality on a small scale and on a bigger scale. So both post pageant, what am I what am I gonna do? You know, what's next? And moving to LA for me was was a tough transition. Yeah, so as we are you're heading out late 2018 into 2019, where should we keep an eye out for you? I mean, I know you got a lot of things going on. Where are we going to be seeing you? I've been doing a lot of a lot of fun things here in California and in Hawaii. Um, and Oregon has a lot of the, the sports realm that I've been trying to move into more, you know, the Adidas, the Nike, the Reebok. And so people have found me in random magazines, actually, whether it's, you know, makeup companies, bridal companies, different resorts or, or different car companies, I'll, I'll probably pop up here and there. Okay. Well, very cool. And definitely, since you're in L.A., I do want to connect you with a lot of the, the former pageant contestants out there that are acting and hosting. So that way you guys can all kind of uh, network with each other. Yeah, that'd be great. There's a handful of us um, in my class, the Miss USA girls that are living here. Okay, well, very cool. Hey, Chelsea, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate you sharing all this with me. It's been been really cool to kind of just hear about your background and what we didn't know about you. Yeah, of course. That was fun. Thank you for having me. That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you're still involved in the pageant world and you're wondering, well, what is life after the crown going to look like for me and how do I prepare for it? Well, I highly encourage you to download my free Life After the Crown starter guide. It's a quick read. It's going to give you a great blueprint on how to start planning now and not when it's all over. So to get it, just go to timtialdo.com slash starter guide and you can get it there for free. And for weekly podcast updates, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Romans 12.1. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Have a great week, everybody. 